Welcome to With One Accord, a brief time presented by the Houston Chamber Choir each Monday and Friday to join us together and to be renewed and refreshed through the power of choral music. I'm April Harris, Manager of Operations, and I'm thrilled to host today's Education Spotlight. Today's episode shines the spotlight on Sonia Brzezowskis, founder and director of the arts education nonprofit Partner Schools. Sonia is a longtime friend of the Houston Chamber Choir. She served not only as a board member for our organization, but also shared her gifts for music with us as a choir member in our alto section. Sonia was an integral part of the success of the Houston Chamber Choir's residency education program, Rise Up Singing, bringing the wonders of music to some of Houston's most economically disadvantaged elementary schools. I was in awe as Sonia discussed the motivations and goals of partner schools. The organization is all about collaboration and connection, providing opportunities for students from different schools and neighborhoods to work on artistic projects together, creating friendships and a community of appreciation and acceptance, sharing stories, ideas, experiences with each other. They have a commanding mission to empower and inspire students through the arts by building children's choirs that reflect the diversity of the city of Houston. Partner Schools has not only survived, but has thrived in the days since the pandemic, adapting and expanding to offer a wide range of arts activities, including virtual songwriting workshops and virtual arts field trips. Their success is powerful evidence to the magic of collaborative art making, the perfect example being in a choir, resonating with other individuals to create something beautiful, something to be proud of that you can share with your community. After the interview concludes, stay tuned for an uplifting music selection performed by the student singers of Partner Schools. Enjoy. I'm joined today by a very special guest, former board member and choir member of the Houston Chamber Choir, now sharing her musical talents and passion for arts education as the founder and director of the organization Partner Schools, Ms. Sonia Brzezowskis. Sonia, thank you so much for taking the time to discuss this with me. How are you today? Oh, April, thank you for having me and I'm doing great. Perfect. Um, so Sonia, you have a very rich background in arts performance, um, theater, opera, solo vocal work, as well as choral music. Um, could you tell me a bit about your love and appreciation for the arts, how that started, and also how that has been able to shape your life and your adulthood? Well, that's a big question, of course. I was born and raised in Germany, um, and I have pretty much been a singer my whole life. I, I have multiple degrees in vocal performance, and uh, it's, well, it's always been a very important part of my life. Um, and later in life, and I think we will get to that a little later in the interview, I realized how fundamental singing is to the human nature and how important that is. But to go back to your question, um, yes, my background is in, in vocal performance. I've been uh, an opera singer, a musical theater singer, and a, and a choral singer for a very long time. I was part of uh, the Houston Chamber Choir for many years as a singer and 
um, also as a board member. And uh, yeah, that's just a very, very uh, pertinent part of my life. Okay. Now let's uh, get into our discussion about partner schools. Uh, an organization that focuses heavily on connection, um, the sharing of experiences of both students and teachers through the arts. Now, what were your early motivations for transforming the idea of partner schools into a fully functioning project? Part of my uh, educational background is that I teach interdisciplinary collaboration classes for CESA at CalArts in Los Angeles. Um, and that is a way to bring the arts to young people in a holistic kind of way. So we embrace all art forms. Now, that said, I am first and foremost a singer, which shapes my uh, experience and also my perspective. Um, so to explain that and to explain the origins of partner schools, I think I need to go back in time just a little bit, uh, let's say two million years. <laughs> so let's go back to, to the first humans, first human beings. Um, how did these human beings communicate? Because two million years ago, there was no language. We don't know, right? But what all scientists, historians, philosophers, anthropologists agree about is that uh, human beings, the early human beings communicated with their voices, with the use of their voices, and not only their voices, but the full range of their voices. Now then, over time, the use of the voice was cultivated into language to communicate and music as an art form. Now, that is also, of course, a form, a more esoteric form of communication, if you will. Now, to this day, and maybe especially in these days, we talk about music as a community builder. And I guess I could now give you an hour long talk about vibration and the emotional components that play pertinent roles here, but I won't because this is not the talk for this time. Um, but I will say one thing and that singing and music is the most fundamental primal and most effective community building tool of all times. And that's really essentially what brought me to create partner schools. Everybody can sing, every child has a voice. You don't have to have an external instrument. Um, and singing is the most, most natural thing for people to do. And it also is something that we do um, to access our emotions. Now, uh, so coming from this, understanding this and coming from the background of music and, and my personal background as a singer, um, I, I also have two children who went to school and say eight, nine years ago, somebody told me, you live in the most diverse city of this country, Houston, Texas. And I kind of looked around and I thought, wow, I don't see that. I don't see so much diversity because I guess because of the infrastructure of our, our beautiful city, uh, you know, we all have different neighborhoods. Every neighborhood has what every neighborhood needs. We uh, have a lot of freeways, we're very sprawled. So it's not, we don't 
I'm from Europe. We don't have a town center where everybody gathers and everybody just communicates with each other. So as a mother of two, two young children, I thought it is too bad that these children don't uh, grow up among that, that rich diversity that our city has to offer. I mean, they do grow up, but they don't see a lot of it. So that is also what inspired me. So there in, you see all these different building blocks there, but that is what inspired me to create something that enables children to be together and to make music together and build community. So partner schools is primarily a community building organization. So eight years ago, I uh, talked to the principal of the school that my children were, go were going to, uh, along with the music, the choir director there. And we created a program, a partnership program between our school and another school, a school that was operating below the poverty line. And, uh, but, but besides that was exactly the same size as our school and everything was kind of the same. And we weren't even like physically so far from each other. So we created a partnership through the choir, uh, the school choirs where once a month we would bus our children to that school or they would bus their children to our school and the kids would just sing together. And believe it or not, that is the most wonderful and most normal thing. And they don't see the differences uh, of whether it's a different skin color or what kind of tennis shoes anybody wears. They, would, they just really wanted to play and they wanted to sing together and be together. And over time, that really became a wonderful community. These children grew up together. They had virtual meetings at even, even so many years ago, um, just because we can't always bust them. But once a month, we would have in-person rehearsals. And at the end of the school year, uh, the group would, the, the big group of the two choirs would have a concert either at um, the Crane Garden Series at Methodist Hospital or uh, at the public library downtown or some church. So we would always find a nice venue, a, a third venue, not one of the schools where the kids could perform. So that was um, that was just a really successful and, and fun program, but I always felt that it wasn't perfectly fair to the choir teacher who just put their hearts and, and their time and their minds into it. Um, and not get paid. Uh, and we all know that musicians piece their lives together between um, teaching and private teaching and school teaching and, and church music making and uh, you name it. Um, so these choir teachers would just put a lot of extra time out there in order to support this project um, by, spending time after school by communicating with each other by creating or ordering sheet music by getting snacks and so on. So I thought this is the time that we need to give this project some formality, um, file with the IRS, make a website and just become a regular nonprofit in order to uh, give compensation honorariums to the teachers in order to um, pay for transportation, to pay for snacks and food for the concerts and t-shirts and you name it. So it's not, 
it's not a very expensive program, um, but actually by now it has become a very expensive program because we've expanded so much and we are, we're so big and we, we're facilitating and nurturing so many uh, partnerships and helping teachers and, and children in schools. So, so that's basically the uh, background of partner schools. Okay. And you mentioned um, the growth and expansion of the organization. Um, are you um, just focusing in the Houston area or are you branching out um, to further um, places in, in Texas? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and that probably is a good segue to what I uh, would assume is your next question. And that's the whole COVID-19, the pandemic year. We are in, indeed branching out now. Um, we have one collaboration of a school in uh, San Antonio and a school at Pasadena ISD. Um, and that is strictly a result of the last year of having everything be virtual. Uh, so we've been having some very exciting projects over the past year, but they are virtual. And since they are virtual, there's absolutely no reason to not branch out to other cities. Now that said, um, now that we've done it, um, and we actually have one in the in the wings, probably in the summer, we will have a collaboration between a school here in Houston and a school in Hong Kong. Um, I know, but uh, so that said, um, now that we know how to do it and we've established such such a relationship, uh, an intercity relationship, we will probably never go back and expand from here on. There are often talks um, about the effects that distance um, has had on students socially. Um, but in the earlier parts of the pandemic, partner schools also help to raise awareness um, for another issue affecting the community, which is um, food insecurity. Yes. How did you first notice that this was an issue affecting some of the families of students that participated in partner schools? Um, and how did you work to find a solution that would aid them? Oh, what a nice question, April. Um, so we do work with a lot of schools, Title I schools, schools below that, as I mentioned, that operate below the poverty line. Um, besides facilitating partnerships between different schools, we also have a starter program um, that we initiated a few years ago, where we take we bring teachers into schools that don't have any music education or any arts education for that matter and help the schools by establishing a choir. Again, every kid has a voice, so it's, it's fairly easy to do. All we have to do is find a teacher that is uh, qualified and uh, work with the school administration to find a time uh, sometimes it's during the school day, sometimes it's after school, but those teachers, um, we help those teachers go into those schools and establish a music program um, with very good success, I might add. Now, that is actually how the food insecurity rose to our awareness, because those, most of those schools are schools that uh, have a lot of uh, families that were food insecure after the first yeah, few weeks of the pandemic. So we heard about it, honestly, just from, from our 
uh, connections in the administration of the schools. And then we started a GoFundMe campaign and to help these families. I mean, it was honestly as simple as that. And in the first few years of existence of partner schools, um, oh my goodness, the impact you are truly making on the communities that you serve. And what are some of the reactions and results um, that you've observed from students who participate um, in partner school programming and initiatives? That is also, well, that's such a nice question. Um, this data, uh, art at, arts education is uh, clearly less common within minority communities and lower income neighborhoods and schools. And, and there's data that shows that arts education is a vital building block to achieve academic excellence. Um, so we have collected some data um, in, in those schools that we've been working with and, and sure enough, the, um, the academic performance of the students has improved uh, through this work. But to, to be a little more uh, specific, you know, I mean, that, that is one component, but to be more specific to, to the other part of your question, um, we've just watched kids become familiar with each other and become friends. And then there's one story that I like to tell that is just always going straight to my heart. In one of the first partnerships, there were two girls um, from two different schools sitting next to each other um, because they were both sopranos and they sat next to each other in two chairs um, time after time after time. And one girl had very big hair that was sticking out in all directions. And the other girl was definitely fascinated with that hair. And she kind of worked up the courage one day to say, may I touch your hair? And that other girl said, uh, no. And, and April, by the end of that school year, the other little girl was braiding that girl's hair. And, and that was just so heartwarming to see that, you know, they, they sang together, they played together. And at the end, they were braiding each other's hair and they were best friends and holding hands and play. So, I mean, you know, there, there are two parts of the success. Uh, one is, is the, the data-driven success, the academic success that is helped by the arts and, and this kind of community building. But, uh, but then there's that interpersonal component too that I think is just more important. <laughs> Well, a very large part of partner schools is bringing music and other artistic disciplines to schools that would otherwise not have that access. Um, with the events of the past year, I can only imagine how much more difficult it's been. Um, what would you consider the most effective tactics in the day since COVID um, that helped partner schools to continue offering programs um, that help the students maintain their engagement and stay connected? Good question too. So we've uh, grown exponentially after this pandemic hit, which is a little, you know, I'm still a little bit surprised to this day that it worked a, a year ago at this moment. I didn't know whether we would live or die as an organization. Um, 
and I wouldn't have been too surprised, but it's, you know, again, creativity is all it needs. Um, and we got very creative. So a number of things that we've done have had impact. Um, we've created virtual music lessons to support teachers. Um, we actually sponsored an, an Eagle Scout uh, who, Nick Dinius, who just created the most beautiful virtual music lessons uh, for teacher support. And he's a very engaging young man and uh, kids really respond to him. Now this pandemic, as we all know, has been very hard on teachers because the music teachers, and, and we also expand now into visual arts, um, they were all of a sudden recruited to do a lot more than just music teaching. And obviously singing was not really an option for a long time. So virtual singing is hard. And uh, all of a sudden they had to teach music classes, but then also, um, I don't know, teach math or, <laughs> or, or online PE and all kinds. I mean, I've heard all, all the stories. Um, so sometimes they were just sometimes so overwhelmed. And then of course there's tech insecurity here and there too. And uh, so, so it's been it's been good for them to just maybe outsource some music lessons sometimes and just play a video for the kids and and then be there to explain certain things so they didn't have to produce everything from from the start. Um, we have created a a safe sing along in person event at a church that one of our board members is the music director at, and uh, that was fun. Um, they have a big, huge field and we had um, marked marked spots 12 feet apart from each other out, outdoors. Um, everybody got a face shield and a mask and we had a band on a stage and then everybody got to actually sing in person. It was, you know, this was like last fall when things were really bad and nobody really had, um, had, had that kind of human contact. Now this was not a choir performance that had any musical or artistic value, I should say, but it had all the value in the world for the psyche of, of everybody that was there and, and just got to be 12 feet apart from the next people and sing as loudly as possible. We couldn't hear each other, but we could just sing and dance in person. So that was fun. Um, yeah, so then we, we created a cultural ambassador program. Um, we have a wonderful young lady, um, young singer, whose name is Stephanie Resinos, and she goes into schools virtually and at this point in person um, to inspire students and to tell her story and to become a role model um, in a bilingual way and to maybe give them a glimpse of their possible future selves. So that is, that's been great. We've also created virtual field trips. Um, I have a very different uh, Dr. Tali Morgulis at the Moore School of Music who's curating these virtual field trips that we're offering to schools, um, you know, just to break up their daily routine. But to get back to your question and maybe the most impactful thing that we've been able to create since the pandemic began are virtual songwriting workshops. Last spring, uh, when we had to cancel all of our in-person concerts, we did what everybody did. 
um, we took the music that the children had already been rehearsing and we um, encouraged them to, we, we created tracks, we encouraged them to record themselves singing. And then we produced some virtual choirs. And I think I actually sent you one earlier, um, one that is called Let There Be Love. did what you know most choirs in, in the world have done and that's wonderful but then after the spring semester was over and we had all had our share of virtual choirs I thought maybe we should go a, a few steps beyond this and rather than teaching children more music virtually um, which is difficult and which is also maybe getting a little old why don't we help them write their own songs. So I asked my mother-in-law, who's the former poet laureate of the state of Louisiana, Ava Level Heyman, whether she would be on board. And she said, absolutely. And she is a wonderful educator, very engaging and, and just a great person overall. So she uh, was paired up with Emma Wine, who's a young composer, who's a graduate from the Shepherd School of Music at Rice University in composition. And Emma is also just a talented and phenomenal educator. And uh, together they curated, established, invented songwriting workshops. And now we have like 10 or 12, I can't even count anymore of these <laughs> workshops going that these two people um, create together. And they, they go online with a group of students. They um, start with just throwing out words that sound good. And then they turn these words into phrases. And then they turn these phrases into rhythms. Uh, and sometimes the kids have to vote on a rhythm because you can say a phrase in different rhythms. And after they have the rhythms and the phrases, they turn these, they become lyrics and they turn these lyrics into melodies. And Emma will say, who can tell me, who can hear a melody? And then they unmute themselves, they sing a melody, and then somebody sings a different melody, and then they vote again, or they agree on some melody, and slowly and steadily they are writing their own songs. Now, when they come up with the words and phrases, um, it's it seems random, but what we have learned over the last year is that it also serves as a um, tool of processing all of their anxieties and all of their experiences. So the songs they've been writing are called the pandemic zoo and the hand washing song and yeah. <laughs> dancing with the wind and uh, you know, you name it, the, the, um, the lockdown blues. So, you know, every, every, every little song is really dealing with their um, internal needs a little bit which is great um so 
Yeah, so that's been an amazing thing. And we are now just at a stage where we're uh, recording a bunch of these songs. The kids record themselves individually and then we we will make music videos out of them. I hope that by the time you release this podcast, we will have one of them to show to the listeners and, and uh, they can see one of the music videos that we're coming up with. Um, so since this is growing so rapidly, we've also been able to secure former uh, poet laureate of the city of Houston, um, Deborah Mouton, to work uh, along with, with Emma on, and they are starting a collaboration, uh, or class actually, a co collaboration at Travis Elementary School next week between the music department and the visual arts department. So that's something that will be exciting. So you can see that now that we've, um, you know, branched out into songwriting, we are also branching out into visual arts and other art forms. Obviously, um, this uh, creative writing is already part of it. This year, we've kicked off our first visual arts collaboration between the Yellowstone Academy, uh, which is a school on the east part of downtown and uh, the Presbyterian School. And we were able to appoint our first artist in res residence, whose name is Leah Rohde. She's a wonderful visual artist, a good educator, and, and just a creative mind that would blow you away. So she has established uh, that first visual arts collaboration between those two schools. And I would not be surprised if she didn't connect it to their music departments before too long, but at this point it's strictly visual arts. She actually went into the schools and so here's the COVID protocol, right? We, the, the, the kids can't really get together in person at the moment. So she went into one school first and had, and gave everybody little squares of canvas to, to make a self portrait with a speech bubble. And then we invited um, a dear friend of mine who's a wonderful writer of children's books, Sarah Choi, to make a video, an inspiring video speech to the children and talk to them about what they could write into the speech bubble. So Leah, the artist um, teacher, did this for like a week with one school and then she took those those, those little squares with the speech bubbles and the self-portraits to the next school. And they stitched them onto a very large piece of canvas. And then the next school, the children could just communicate, could make their own self-portraits with their own speech bubbles and communicate with the children that had already done it on that canvas and, and basically respond artistically and verbally and so on, respond to the, the friends in the other school that they've never met in person. So we're now working on figuring out how we can have a big event to reveal that piece of art um, and how we're gonna do it. Maybe we'll do it in person, maybe not, but, um, but the good news is that it's only now starting and next year and, and the year after the children will actually meet in person. And that's kind of exciting because they've now already made art together, but they've never really met in person or even on the screen. So 
you know, it's, it's a good connector. I do feel that after this pandemic is over and when things really normalize again, we will always um, take advantage of what we have learned during this year and, and all the things that, that this virtual existence has made possible. Yes, it has been frustrating at, frustrating at times and difficult and isolating, um, depressing and you name it but it's also opened a lot of new doors and and for us i what i see for us in the future is that with our regular partnerships we will probably always write our own songs from here on um at least for part of them and we can do that virtually that's very easy to do now we've we've done it many times and then we can do that during the fall semester and then in the spring semester the kids can get together in person and and start rehearsing and and singing their own songs together so you know so in a way this pandemic has really taught us a lot of positive things too oh my goodness sonia i am absolutely amazed at what you your organization the teachers and students that participate have been able to achieve and create. It's, it's really fascinating to see how under certain circumstances, you, you can still thrive, you can still explore and, and, and want to know and learn more um, through, and through the arts. This is absolutely astounding. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing the partner school story and to just, helping me to feel the joy um, about students and their discovery of creating art and being a part of something, you know, that's just so special. So thank you once again for this conversation. Thank you, April, it was wonderful. Special thanks to our donors and partners for their consistent support, to our phenomenal guest, Ms. Sonia Brzezowskis, and to you, our listeners, for tuning in. And now, please enjoy a very special presentation of Count on Me by Bruno Mars, performed by the Partner School student singers and American Idol finalist Vincent Powell in support of the Women's Fund. If you ever find yourself stuck in the middle of a sea, I sell the world to find you. If you ever find yourself lost in the dark and you can't see, Yeah. 
Choirs with One Accord is your one-stop shop for choral joy. If you enjoyed this podcast, help us to continue our mission to grow the esteem and appreciation of choral music by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to our content. As a 501c3 nonprofit, support from listeners like you allows us to continue making new and exciting programming. For more information about us and how you can support our work, please visit HoustonChamberChoir.org/give.